So, uh, you know, this past week, we, uh, we've had some great times as a family. I mean, who couldn't, right? It's Pumpkin Festival. And uh, so we started out the early week getting ready and getting going. And, um, well, all right, so let's be real. So this was a week of forgiveness in the Harkness household. So how many of you were here last year when I told a little story about getting ready to use my crossbow? Do you remember that? All right, for those of you who weren't here, so here's how it goes down in five seconds. A crossbow is like a bow you turn sideways and you shoot somewhat like a gun, right? Uh, when you're shooting that, keep your thumb down. Because when you don't, the string will snap forward and take it off. Do you know what I'm saying? That's a piece of information I should have shared with my wife last year. And so as we began to use the crossbow, I just say, hey, just shoot one shot. Just to, it, It's cool. It's fun. And then she about took her thumb off and we were in the ER the rest of the, it was the thousand dollar shot is what I call it. And, uh, and so we ended up having to have the ER surgery kind of element as they reset the nail and put stitches in. And OK, that was last year. And I'm like, no weapons this year. Right. That was my plan. And so, uh, so I was setting up the tree stand. We got that set up. And so, uh, I was going to cut in some lines of sight through some tree limbs and all that. For those of you who don't know, I am a deer hunter and love it. And, uh, it's a great time to just relax in the woods. And uh, so I invited my wife to come out and help me just, you know, just being out there cutting some limbs and stuff like that. And I'll do the cutting, no big deal. And, and so I cut most of the stuff out of the way. And then I got up in the tree stand to make sure that I could see, and I'm like, oh, there's still a little bit. If you could just cut a little bit more over there. And, and so she's moving up into the, you know, it's still summer, so the green foliage is she's cutting it off and it's kind of pushing up against her and, and she's clipping it down and God did not tell me that that was poison ivy. <laughs> so we tried hard to not hurt Jana this year, but, uh, she had poison ivy all down her face and on her neck and I must be resistant to it because I wasn't getting it. I never got any of it. I don't know what happened, but Jana had it all over. Sorry, babe. There's a public apology. And uh, she is on medication now, and it's going pretty well, actually. But uh, So, yeah, it's a good week. <laughs> Prepare to forgive. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? He's like, you're going to need to put that in the preaching calendar that week, Tim. I think you're going to want that information. And uh, all right, so that's where we're at. We're on Prepare to Forgive this week. We're walking through a series called On Your Mark, Get Set. And it's about preparing to go into the building. What does it mean to be heading to a new wave of ministry? And it's not that we're doing something different or other. We're going to continue doing exactly what we're doing. But I'm telling you, God's going to be stirring in hearts and lives in huge ways. And uh, just this past week, I mean, I saw a lot of green out there at the Pumpkin Festival with our T-shirts. For those of you who have not gotten one of our T-shirts, feel free. They're available. Um, I'm not sure if we got them at the back this week, but they are available. Uh, we got T-shirts for you if you need one or want one. Uh, it says grand opening, just talks through what God's doing here. And, and uh, I got a lot of questions from people, a lot of people talking about coming over. It's exciting to hear what God's doing. And I'm telling you, big things are coming. So let's make sure we're preparing hearts. Let's make sure we're preparing ourselves for ministry. Let me just put it to you a little bit more uh, directly. Uh, <laughs> we are moving into a phase where the glory of God Almighty is going to be unleashed in this community. And I'm telling you, I'm excited about what's going on. And, uh, hey, do you think the gates of hell are satisfied and happy with that? Be careful. We've got some serious work to be doing 
to get prepared for some serious ministry coming, and it's working right now already. As we're headed for the ministry to come, God's starting with ministry within your hearts and souls. And it's time for us to say, Lord, what needs to be prepared? That's where we are today. Prepare me, Lord, to forgive. We're going to be in Philemon, verse 17, to the end. we got ushers coming forward, and uh, they got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We are going to walk verse by verse through the end of this passage, Philemon 17. Philemon, it's a little book, 25 verses, right before Hebrews, James, towards the end of the New Testament. Get there, okay? Let's walk through it. Lord, how do we forgive? And uh, the ushers will get a Bible to you if you got your hand raised. All right? Well, forgiving, it's got a couple of pieces to it that are pretty important. And so, the first step, forgive the repentant heart longing to restore. Our goal is to see restoration longing to restore so forgive the repentant heart release watch god do amazing work in that repentant heart we start in verse 17 so if you consider me your partner receive him as you would receive me now remember this is paul he's writing to philemon about his slave onesimus so three guys involved here the writer is paul the receiver is philemon and the topic is onesimus the slave who's run away, right? And so Paul is saying, if you consider me, Paul, your partner, receive him, Onesimus the slave, as you would receive me. That's your command, Philemon. Do that. One verse, that's all we're using for this point. It's a huge, deep moment. This call that Philemon is being given by Paul is saying, forgive him. Uh, release him. He's saying, I want you to hear something as you would receive me, so receive him. So when I first read it, I was like, blah, 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 move on. Like I didn't, it didn't, I mean, honest, it didn't really hit me. And so I went back over it a couple of times and here's what struck me. Ready? Paul is an apostle over the whole of the church. And he's saying, you know, if I were coming into town, think of how you'd treat me. Like, what would you do if Paul's coming in? Okay, parties and. Lots of hugs and call the church together and let's celebrate and maybe pray over you and and all the list of stuff, right? Yeah, as you'd receive me, now receive him. Are you hearing it? Like all of a sudden, Philemon gets dropped in his tracks. Uh, yeah, I had a plan for when Onesimus came back to town. That wasn't really it. Uh, I know what Rome says. And they tell me I have the right to whip him, maybe even kill him. If he doesn't get in line immediately, it's up to me to choose. And and my choice was not so much to treat him like a welcomed guest that I'm really excited to see, but to punish. And and Paul's saying, yeah, that's not the plan. We got a different plan in mind. A plan that includes forgiveness. A, A plan that includes grace. I want you to be modeling Jesus Christ to Onesimus in every way you've got. Are you hearing it? Like this call here is Paul simply saying, remember how we're being treated by Christ. Paul's saying, I don't know if you get this, but we're unholy before him. But he declares us holy because of who Jesus Christ is. What a great privilege we have in him to have relationship with him to be called his children, to be viewed as holy, to be sensed as righteous in his presence, not because we are perfect, but because through Christ, 
He's clothed us with that and treating us that way. And he's saying, don't treat Onesimus as a slave. That's just what he is physically. Treat him on who he is spiritually. Uh, a son of the almighty king. And welcome him, just like you'd welcome me. That's the call to make sure we're treating him right. And forgiveness, hey, it's a huge deal. I wanted to make sure we camped on forgiveness a little bit today, all right? Let's make sure we understand it, and let's make sure we understand what the call here was to Philemon. So, forgiveness. Uh, let's just walk it through in a couple of steps here. So, first, you've got a wrongdoer. The guy who's done it wrong, the guy who's made the mistake, that might be you. You're like, oh, that's me. If you asked me to raise hands, I'd have to raise my hand, and right? And so, the guy who's done it wrong, and the guy who asked his wife to put his her face into poison ivy... Right, And make sure that you have these steps in mind when you're handling forgiveness. So first is apologize. Uh, maybe confess if you want to say it that way. It's making good on and, and being clear on what you're wrong on. Okay, uh, Apology. It's not sorry. Okay, That's not an apology. Somewhere along the way, we used to teach our kids, right? Just say you're sorry. And so the word just is in there. And so they take you very literally, right? They're like, Sorry. Oh, that was tender, right? Like that's getting somewhere. That's really going to make an impact. And saying you're sorry is not what it's about, okay? It's will you please forgive me for, and then being very specific, okay? Apologies or confession, it's an extremely specific management of wrong done. Will you please forgive me for not recognizing it was poison ivy and getting your face all up in it? Will you please forgive me for that? And, and it's simple. It's direct. It's not, hey, if, right? Every time you throw the word IF in there, it's not really a confession. I don't know if you know that. I'm sorry if you're hurt. What is that? Is that like the lamest apology ever? Look, if you're so weak that your feelings got struck by that, I'm sorry. Like somehow we're now apologizing for them. You know what I mean? Be careful with how you say it. Drop that. Uh, if does not belong in an apology or a confession. All right? I did it wrong. The end. That's a good confession. All right? Clear enough? Need to hear the word clear. Clear enough? Clear. Good. That's what it's about. Like, so, husbands and wives, I guarantee you're going to need this point pretty soon. I don't know when and I don't know where, but... Yeah, I know you're going to need it. And so use it and use it well. I'm sorry for and be very specific. All right. It works really well on continuing to restore relationships. So the first step, apology or confession. Second is repentance. It's turning from what you've done wrong. Like I'm not correct in what I was doing and I'm done with that. Okay. It's not this. Like I know I did it wrong and I'm sorry. But tomorrow I will do it again, I promise you. That is my plan to return to that point. And that's not apology, okay? It's I'm done with it. And I mean done. I am turning and I am walking away. I am done with it. All right? Over. Repentance. It affects your actions. Apologies are your lips and your heart being shown. But repentance shows your action. And the two together are an awesome response. You're saying, I'm done with it. You're saying, I want to live a holy life. 
that God might be glorified in who I am. That the king of kings who gave his life for me can be honored with all that I am. Lord, I'm setting it down before you. Look, all too often we start claiming our pride as the number one purpose. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for that. And all of a sudden we're holding our ground. And, and really what we're doing is we're saying it's more about me than about my king. Be careful. That needs to be let go of immediately. The cost of harboring and holding on to sin and refusing to apologize and confess is absolute devastation in your life and in the life of your family. Watch out. The cost is enormous. Don't take it lightly. Set your pride down. And I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me for the exact thing I've done? Okay. So that's confess. That's repeat or repent. And then this, the last one is repay. Hey, you know what? You might have done something where you stole something effectively. You took money. You took property. You took credit. You took something that wasn't yours to take and, and it needs to be repaid. And your goal is to say, look, it's not just about me saying, fine, I'm done. And Glad I got off on that one easy and it's I am so willing to see everything put on me and on no one else I'm willing to stand in the gap and repay what needs to be repaid That's real forgiveness All right It's confession. It's repentance. It's repayment or restitution. Some would call it all right It's an an idea of wrapping together a three-step process to making sure they're good I've wounded you and i'm done with that And I want to make sure I'm good with it and that you're cared for in it. Okay, that's the wrongdoer. So the one wronged, the stages they go through. And this is pretty important, okay? Probably the number one thing that is misunderstood in forgiveness is this right here. So get ready. Stages you go through in wronged. Like the guy does something wrong to me and it's offensive to me. It hurts me. He said something harsh. He's done something harsh or whatever, right? So here's the stages. Number one is unwilling. Like, oh, no, you didn't do that. I am not going to listen to that anymore, and I will not let you come near me, and I will, right? It's self-protective, right? Unwilling. Just so you know, what comes off of that is bitterness. That's where the brood of bitterness starts, and it takes up root fast. And you hold on to unwillingness, your heart is ready to go solid, ice cold. Be careful. Unwilling is not a place you want to land. Get off that place, okay? So the next stop is willing. Ephesians 4.32 talks about it. Ephesians 4.32, there's a word there for, for forgiveness that's used. Um, just so you know, there are four different words in the New Testament, in the Greek, that all come down to the one word, forgive. Okay? Four different words. So some of them are like, transaction complete. Right? Like, it's done! Like, that kind of forgiven. But this one, in Ephesians 4.32, goes this way. It is about... Living in a grace-based way. That's what it literally means. Living in a grace-based way. And and so they've translated it to forgive, which is so gracious, right? When you're wronged, you release. And yes, that, but so much bigger than that too. I want to be really careful not to narrow that word. Grace-based living. Like I want you so cared for. I'm going to pour on you not what you deserve, but even what you don't deserve Live in a grace-based way, a loving, lavishing life. 
That's what it is, all right? Live in a grace-based way, Ephesians 4.32. And so this idea of being willing means I've got this heart that is so ready to forgive that the moment they came up to me, if they said, will you please forgive me? Yes. Like I've been waiting for you and I've been praying for you and I've been longing for you to come to this point. And yes, we're in. Let's do this thing. You're forgiven. Like so much so that the person asking for forgiveness goes, is this real? Like, that was pretty fast. Are you sure? And you're like, dude, I've been in this spot for a long time. I'm ready to go. I'm willing. Let's get this thing restored. That's where we need to be camped out. Okay? And as a Christian body, if we camp out there, I'm telling you, you will be an amazing testimony to the grandeur of Jesus Christ. Live in a willing way with those around you. All right, that's the middle stage. And, and so, well, what's the last stage? If you're doing that, what's left? And here's what's left. And if they repent, Luke 17, 3, forgive them. The third stage is done. Forgiven. Okay, it's over. They've come. They've repented. We're restored as completely as you can be. Here we go. We're off to growth together. Done. Those are the three stages. And so just let's be a little bit clear. I've heard a couple of people in my life say, um, you, uh, you don't have to forgive unless they repent. Okay. Makes me cringe. Makes Pastor Steve cringe. You're giving us the willies. And here's why. It's not that it's exactly inaccurate. Luke 17, 3. If they repent, forgive them. Okay. There is an if tied to it, a conditional clause. And, and it does take you from willing to done. But here's usually what people mean when they say, I don't have to forgive. They mean, I go from forgiven, done, all the way back to unwilling. I get to live in unwilling land because they haven't repented. And now the bitterness starts taking up root and I'm, I'm living over here and I'm camping out with my own little campfire. You know what I'm talking about? And every time people come near me, I'm like, get away from me. I don't have to do that yet. They haven't repented. That's what scares us. Okay. What it means is you have to back the truck up to willing land and you are so ready for them to come to you. There just hasn't been final restoration. That's all it means. And so be careful with how you handle that phrase and be careful with what you do with scripture. You must be longing and willing to restore and ready at a heart's drop at a moment's notice to just rush in there with a yes and wrap your arms around him. Think of the prodigal son. He's coming home and the father's doing whatever he's doing out there on his property and he looks up and sees his son and he runs to him and he wraps his arms around him and he lifts him in the air and they laugh and they talk as he forgives him his son saying just treat me like one of your slaves he's like are you kidding you're my son and you've come home you're forgiven let's do this thing called life together hey that's what it looks like not that the father comes running out and stops and goes Hang on. Do you know what you made me look like? Do you know what you walked our family's name through while you were gone? Are you hearing it? Like we'd hear that and we'd actually go, that kind of makes sense. Like there's some serious impact to that, that child's decision, right? And be careful. True forgiveness involves, I am so leaning in and so willing that the moment there is repentance, we move from willing heart to done restored. Okay. Forgiveness. That's what it looks like. That's the model of what we're talking about. And it's a, it's a super huge responsibility. Uh, okay, great. So forgiveness, 
just a few things it does not mean. Uh, it does not mean dwelling on it. Right? If you've done the forgiveness thing, you're not sitting there every day going, I know I said I forgive him. But can you, I can't believe he said that. Can you believe that? Like that, that's not forgiveness. Continuing to dwell on it? No. So not dwelling on it. That's what forgiven means. Uh, forgiveness. Uh, not bringing it up again. Hey, I know that, uh, this huge thing happened in our life and I know I've forgiven you, but, uh, I know we're sitting here eating chips and salsa together and it just kind of dawned on me. You were a punk last week. What was that all about? You know what I mean? The bringing it up over and over and over again as a way to kind of control things and comes up in the weirdest times. Watch out. Let's put it down. Doesn't mean telling others about it. Forgiveness. You're done. You don't talk about it. Okay, that's what it means. Be careful with forgiveness. Be real with it. Be whole with it. That you might experience the richest relationship God ever designed possible. All right? So, reasons we don't forgive. Like, that's great. Why don't I do it? Just a couple of quick ones. Uh, number one. I'm just going to use a little rough word, but ignorance. Like, I didn't even know that's how it worked. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And uh, Right? And so it didn't even dawn on me that that's how Christ treats me. Can you imagine? Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Just give me a minute. Right? Is that what Christ does? No way, right? It's immediate. He's leaning in with a willing heart. Ephesians 4.32. And may we model the same. And ignorance. Or maybe arrogance. Oh, no. That stepped on my toes just too hard. That boy needs to pay. Or maybe it's just shame. Man, it makes me feel like I'm worthless in the midst. The way you stepped on me and what it made me look like. I I don't know if I'm, I don't know what I'm worthy of. I don't know if this can even be restored in ignorance or arrogance or shame or, hey, I'm not sure what you're wrestling with that's holding you back. But let's be blunt. Today's the day to forgive right here, right now. We do a lot of biblical counseling in this place and uh, Pastor Steve and the lay people that work with him and we got a lot of people that are caring for other people and let me tell you one of the largest things that goes on is a lack of forgiveness and a deep root of bitterness and a poor communication in the midst of it all and it just keeps festering. The number one thing you could do is to stop, drop and release it. And let God work in your life. The devastation that we have seen in homes has been horrific. Please hear me on this. This needs to be dealt with today. We as a body need to deal with it regularly. My simple question would be, how many times have you asked for forgiveness this week? And if your answer is less than a couple, I'm scared for you. Because I'm telling you, you're less perfect than you think you are. Come join me. The water's fine. Okay? I'm telling you, you need to be real on what you need to be asking for forgiveness for. And it needs to be regular. Do it with the small so that when the large comes, you're in a great habit. Do you know what I'm saying? Be prepared to constantly and regularly release the stuff between each other and apologizing and forgiving and making it good. And by the way, when somebody says, will you please forgive me? And and for this, uh, the answer is uh, yes. 
with all I've got, yes, I forgive you, right? The answer is, I forgive you. And what's the answer? Yeah, get ready. Get ready to say both of those. Uh, Please forgive me and I forgive you regularly and often. It's a huge part of our family life. So here's my simple question. Who have you hurt? Who have you stepped on? Who's been offended by your actions or your words that you need to go to? And I mean fast. You probably already have the name. And so, okay, great. Now you've got the name of maybe somebody you've hurt. Here's the other question. Who's hurt you? Who stepped on you or challenged you or done something wrong with you in a way that just was completely out of bounds offensive? It's sin. Get ready. You need to be in the place of willing, not unwilling. You need to be leaning forward and ready to go. And and honestly, they may not even know they've done it. You might need to be even notifying them. I've been hurt. Can we talk this out? Let's get restored. Hey, we have friends in this church who are no longer friends. We have family in this church who won't treat each other as family or who give a distant nod. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are wounded by each other and won't talk to each other. May it not be so. Prepare to forgive. That's what it looks like. It's a big calling. I'm telling you, these are ones where you're like, wow. I wish I'd have been a little more tired at the pumpkin festival and not shown up. I'm telling you, we need to let it get real in our lives that God might get the greater glory. All right. Let's go after it with all we have. So let's move on here. Number two, sacrificially stand in the gap for the repentant heart. Sacrificially stand in the gap for the repentant heart. These move a little quicker. Don't worry. We're not going to spend that long on each verse, right? So he says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Are you hearing it? We talked about that desire to repay. If you are the wrongdoer and you've done something wrong, you want it made good. And, and, and here's a different stroke to that, a different way of thinking. Paul's saying, but know this, we have a king who said they owe something that they can never repay without eternal separation. And so I pay it for them. And so hear me on this. If we're the one wronged, if you're constantly banging on the drum of repay, you might be missing a little bit of it. Be careful. Repay is what Christ has done for us at Calvary. And it doesn't mean we don't make good on things, but it means we want to come alongside and see stuff go so well that we could be the gospel of Christ alive in their lives. And watch out. That's a big one. Okay. Paul's like, I'm standing in the gap. And I'm telling you this, just like Christ stood in the gap for us, anything he owes, you bring it to me. I mean, it's kind of logical, right? Onesimus is a slave. And he's running away. I mean, he probably needs some cash to survive or property that he could sell. And right. And so he takes some stuff to be able to make it on the road. And Paul's like, I'm sure he took some things. Whatever it is, you talk to me. I'll I'll settle it with my account. I'm Christ for this one called my son. Onesimus standing in the gap, willing to help a repentant soul come back. Please hear me on that one. Mercy hearts. Everybody who loves to be merciful to those reaching out next to you. Some of you are like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. But if you have a mercy heart, you know what I'm talking about right now. 
Okay, so be careful. This is not be merciful to the unrepentant. That's not what's being modeled here. And don't help them and enable them to live in their sin and make it comfortable while they're there. This is a guy who, Onesimus, who said, I'm done with that. And I'm coming home. And then we come alongside with all we've got. And all of God's people said, are you hearing that? There's a big, important message in that. Be really careful. You must determine where their heart is at and what they're doing. And if they're running away from him, do not make it more comfortable on the way out. Be very careful on that. Okay, Paul's saying, I know Onesimus is on your side. I know he's running to you, Jesus Christ, so I'm willing to stand in the gap. Please, Lord, let me be able to repay it. Now he says, to say nothing of you owing me. So he's now talking to Philemon. Come on, Philemon, brother. You owe me and you know it. Come on, stand up with me here. Lean in with me. Remember, I'm letting go of some stuff you owe me. And now you're going to let go of some stuff that Onesimus owes you. And let me be repaying that. He says, verse 20, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Nothing more refreshing in the body of Christ than his personality, Christ's personality lived out right here where it's like, gee, I wonder what Jesus is like. Take a look at Joe. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what it is. It's like, just Point to the person around you, seeing them live life and watching how they treat others. And that's it. Like just, wow, so refreshed by that. And that's what we're talking about. Watch Christ lived out in this place and watch this place come alive with even more fervor. There are some wounds that need to be let go of. And sometimes we even need to be standing in the gap for others that their heart might be refreshed. Sacrifice. You know... I'm going to read something off my phone here uh, about sacrifice. Uh, my daughter is in a, a language arts class in her junior year, and there's a kid who is a, uh, a young man. Wow, that's disrespectful. <laughs> there's a young man, a high schooler, senior, and a great guy. And uh, he wrote this uh, literary work and turned it in in class. He actually attends our Ignite uh, here at the church. You ready? The cost of the, of the cross. The cost of the cross. It's all about sacrifice. Being in eminence, sorrow, blood drips, trickling around. To think all this started in the Garden of Eden. Now, pleading for the Lord to free him. After the arrest, he was brought before the Sanhedrin, struck straight in face, only to stand in our place. Angels stand battle ready, but how can he choose to stand in our shoes? Now seeing the whips, the ones with leather strips, each tears into the skin only to take on our sin. Power. Oozing out blood to bring forth tears which resemble a flood. Now praying on the ground for the second round. The soldiers rashly ripped the robe off along with the scabs as he walks waiting willfully for the father, seeking others before himself as he lays there fighting, not willing to quit. The legionnaire pounds three nails, two hands and the feet, just tight enough that he can't breathe. Imagine the blood. Imagine the mess with the nails and that smashed flesh. 
The cross is raised up only for him to rise up. Excruciating pain in every nerve ending, outcasted by the Father, struck the heart. Now knobbing and throbbing, the muscles give way. The spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. But finding the strength to say, Father, forgive them. They know not who they are killing. Please don't hold this charge here against them. And looking down at his terror-stricken mother, listen, looking up, he yells to the Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Hey, we have a model of sacrifice from Jesus Christ, and he just ends it with this. Hallelujah, we rejoice. What a Savior. What a King. Jesus, I want to crave you. Hey, man, that's going on in our high school group. You hear what I'm saying? Praise be to God. We have an example of sacrifice like no other. Get ready to live it. How can you stand in the gap? And for who can you stand in the gap? And maybe it's just releasing somebody from a debt they owe. To God be the glory. That's what we need to be doing. Is lifting up his name with all we have. And celebrating him by our lives. By our actions. As we forgive and release the one next to us. Recognizing our own shortcoming. So first is forgive, second is sacrificially stand, third, prepare to see God's miracle hand at work. Prepare to see God's miracle hand at work. He says, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. And we can walk right past this and it's like, oh, Paul's taking care of business, blah, blah, blah. See you in a little bit, right? And, but listen to what he's saying. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more. Like I'm trusting for God to work in you. And I'm looking excitedly to see what that demonstration looks like. And, and then next step. By the way, please practice the open chair policy. That's what he just announced. Right? He's like, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be released. Paul's list, he's sitting there writing this in chains, in prison. And his statement is, hey, I know this. Remember, our God, he answers exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. And right now I'm thinking, getting out of prison. So exceeding abundantly, dude, you better be preparing a room. I'm coming, and I don't know when. God's moving, and I'm not sure how. My prayer is that you see forgiveness ripping through that body, that you see Onesimus as a living example of Christ at work. And trust me, if Christ is at work, my days in this prison are numbered. Prepare. I'm coming. Hey, that's what it looks like. So here's a question for you. In your condition you're in, Paul's sitting in prison with chains on, thinking positively and optimistically and prayerfully about what God might be doing next. Where are you at? What situation are you in? What person have you been hurt by? What people are you hoping in where you might be able to say, Lord, I'm bringing it to the feet of the cross with all I've got that you might get the greater glory. It's for us to be able to say, God, you are stunning and amazing. And I'm willing to put all I have at your feet. I'm trusting in you, Lord.
to do a miracle work, both relationally around us and practically in my life, that you might be shown off. Hey, our job is one job, to show him off. Our job, one job, to show him off. How we live, how we talk, how we think that people might get a closer taste of our almighty king. Our job is one job, to show him off. That's why we forgive. That's why we release, because it's not about me. It's all about him, that God might get the greater glory. What an amazing king we have. I just wrote this down as a nice close. So with the spoken word... He has created all. With his heart, he sacrificed all. With his body, he paid it all. With his resurrection, he guarantees life eternal. With his power, he unleashes change eternal. And with his return, he will rule eternal. Our king, he's a restoring king. Live like him. Our king, He's a forgiving king. Live like him. Our king. He's a holy king. What should we do? That's what we're talking about. Our king. He is mighty to save. Worship him. That's what it looks like to follow our king. With forgiveness, with sacrifice, with intentional living, that the God of this universe might be lifted up. Why? Because of one reason. He is so powerful. He is so glorious. And He saves. May everyone get to know my King, the Savior of this universe, mighty to save. And all of God's people said, that's what we're talking about. Let's pray.